0: Jess McDonald, I am so excited to be interviewing you for the She's the Boss Chats. Honestly, we're sit- I just want for everyone to know we're sitting on my bed because the, the soft furnishings are better and it does feel a bit weird. It
1: feels quite intimate, doesn't it, Jules? But I'm very comfortable, I have to say. That's good. That's
0: good. So let's start off by telling everybody what it is that you do now. And then we're going to go and then I'm going to take you right the way back to when you were a little girl and you can tell us about your whole career.
1: Okay. Well, um, um my name's Jess and I wear a few different hats. Um, I run two businesses, one called High Tees, which is an ethical t-shirt and accessories business where I get to hand-draw portraits of iconic Australians and um, and run political campaigns through the power of a T-shirt. Um, I'm also a business consultant and I run a business called Agents of Innovation and I help business owners and founders and managers find strategic solutions to grow their business um, and change their businesses. And then I'm also a director of my family's investment company. Um, we run a small <laughs> investment company called Serval Nominees and um, and I've been working with my family since I've been about 18. Um, yeah, on top of that, I'm a mum of two young kids and a wife to a lovely Irish husband and a mad Melbourne Demon supporter. But other than that... <laughs> mad is the word for it,
0: that's for sure. Well, I have to say that, Jess, you, you're really amazing and there's a whole lot of stuff that like where you've let, you've gone through all the things now, but I knew you from High teas, which are Really, when she says political, they are just amazing. It's all about women. It's all about empowerment. It's all about making women more visible, which is my pet thing. Um, and your recent STEM campaign for STEM women and your T shirt that says STEMinist, which I absolutely have to get, <laughs> are just so cool. So, um, but let's, uh, but there's so much more to it. So, um, my next question is going to be interesting <laughs> because which one are we going to talk about? Let's talk about first why you set up high teas. Um, and then yep. when we go back, we'll do a little bit of more talk because then I think I think your past will make it more obvious as to why you do agents of innovation. Yeah. But what happened that made you decide to set up High Tees?
1: Mm, well, High Tees are sort of um, it's <laughs> it's it's a funny story. I um I'd set up agents of innovation, um, two years previous to setting up high T's and within a couple of months of setting up agents of innovation, I became pregnant with our first child. So, um, so agents of innovation got up and running. I then went on mat leave. Um, and then coming back to mat leave, I was just feeling a little bit out of practice with um, some of my business consultancy and I thought, do you know what, just to get back into the swing of things before I go and um, uh, re-engage with my clients and so forth, I'm just going to make up a fake company and write the business <laughs> plan and do the marketing, do the research just to flex all those muscles again um, and I thought, oh, I'll just do a t-shirt company because it's nice and easy and I love product based businesses. so. Yeah. I, yeah, started um, started researching a t-shirt company. Um, I do love a quirky t-shirt, so I felt very familiar in that space anyway. <laughs> and then the more I researched and the more I looked into it, the more I was like, actually, this is a really good idea. If I can make um, the business model work in the way that I wanted it to work, where there wasn't a lot of heavy lifting from a pick-a-packing perspective and it wasn't like literally running it out of my garage, which it kind of now is. But at the time, um, then, you know, this model could really work and coincide with what I was doing with Agents of Innovation. But the good thing about it was um, I could – I, the more I was researching, the more I was looking at it, the more I'm like, actually, this is really great learning for me to do for my clients because I hadn't done things like build a Shopify website, for example, right. and and quite a few of my clients were in the e-com space. I could do the big picture strategy for them and a lot of the marketing and branding for them, but when it came to the implementation, I'd never done it. So by t- launching High Tees, it gave me the opportunity <laughs> to actually learn a lot of those things for to be able to then um, pass it on to my clients. Um I'd studied art at university and I'd never really done anything with it. I'd had Oh a...
0: yes because the 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 interesting thing is that you're drawing these illustrations. Yeah,
1: so I I looked at when I was doing my research about t-shirt companies um and because I own a lot of t-shirts and it's something that I love, um I was just getting a little bit sick and tired of slogan t-shirts. They've yeah, got their space, yeah. they've got their, you know, like a feminist t-shirt or be kind, all those t-shirts are great. But I wanted to try and find something that was different, but it still spoke. Had the same
0: sort of message.
1: Yeah, still sort of had the, more appealing. Yeah. And so I I thought, um, I thought, you know, well, it's a good opportunity to celebrate the people that I think have positively contributed to our society. Um, and so I started drawing. And so the idea is that you wear your hero. So it's a series of Australian and New Zealand icons who are, I think are, are uh, icons. Um, and so Such I look- as,
0: well, well, let's tell everyone you've got Penny Wong, you've yeah. got Julia Gillard, Kylie. and you've got, as I mentioned, Ju- um, Dolly
1: Parton. So oh, it's not yeah, just yeah. Australians. You know, there's the occasional flurry of internationals. I did, you know, I, I one Christmas I drew all my favourite rock stars purely because I wanted their t shirts. <laughs> I wanted the t shirt. I did a, a Merry Feminismus range oh, one my year for, for Christmas. Um, but I think because of my background in retail and having worked for Lush for a long time, it also had to be ethical and sustainable. So from the very, very beginning, it was set up as a social enterprise, and I've partnered with a local not-for-profit, West Welcome Wagon, um, and I contribute 50% of my profit to them. And, and let us ju- let me just
0: jump in because you talked about Shopify and e-commerce, but the reality is, just so that you know, Jess is not somebody that just is selling off a website or Shopify. Yeah. <laughs> She's also got it in Maya. Yeah. Um, you've got it in quite a lot of. Big yeah, places, ACME, Museum
1: of Contemporary Art in Sydney, um, Yeah, range of independent re, uh, retailers as well.
0: So so she's no slouch when it comes to <laughs> understanding how retail works. <laughs> and even though we were going to start with high T's and then go back, we're going to have to do a little bit about Agents of Change mm-hmm. because I don't think anyone – so just tell me top level what Agents of Change is.
1: In Agents of Innovation. Agents of
0: <laughs> Innovation, <right>. yeah. sorry. <laughs> it's a similar thing. <laughs>
1: Um, So Agents of Innovation. So I started Agents of Innovation because what I'd done previously in my retail career was I had worked in international support for Lush where I went in and worked with the senior management of certain countries um, to to instigate and put in place um, quite large change management projects. So I'd learned how to run businesses. I'd learned how to manage um, teams and develop really key strategies to Um, shift sales trajectories and trends. Um, So I thought, well, I've been doing that for someone else. I'm going to do that for myself, but as a consultant for and other offer, people and offer that.
0: So, yeah,
1: yeah. And I really love that. I love strategizing. I love problem solving. I'm a very good creative problem solver. Um, I love sort of brainstorming and and working with people and collaborating with people in terms of like, well, what are the opportunities? What can we do? What what you know? What can you see? Is 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 your dream? And what are you trying to achieve? And I love working with people to try and to make that, that happen. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah, so. Amazing. Amazing. All right. So so she's gonna. I'm going to blow you away in a minute when we get to Japan and what she was actually doing there. But first, let's go back to Jess as a little girl. I love asking all these questions because yeah, okay. most people go, God, I've never <laughs> told anyone this or I haven't thought about it for years. So where did you grow up and do you have brothers and sisters and mm-hmm. what did your parents do?
1: Mm, okay, so I grew up in Diamond Creek. Uh, which is in, in Victoria, yeah. outer suburb, I'd the say. Outer Melbourne. suburbs and northeastern outer suburbs of Melbourne. And at the time when I was growing up, it was very much semi-rural. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is I would definitely still consider not... it pretty No, no, not anymore. Okay. It's like well, suburbia. Estates, is it? Yeah, big time. It's a
0: bit like Berwick. I, I was I grew up in Berwick, oh, yeah. and, and that was a tiny little country town when I went to school. <laughs> yeah. And it's now I can't even recognise it. It's just rolling hills of estates.
1: Yeah, was, of estates and the same house repeated over and yeah, over, yeah. which is a shame because. um,
0: Well, look, it's progress.
1: It is. It is. Stuff
0: happens, I guess, and cities grow. But anyway, so you grew up in Diamond Creek.
1: Grew up in Diamond Creek. Um, What did mum and dad do? My dad was a lawyer. He started his own law firm at 26. Oh, okay. And um, consequently built a very successful um, uh, law firm and then shifted in the late 80s shifted that into property syndication. So his practice then managed um, uh, investment funds for things like shopping centres and so forth. Oh, right, so forth. So right, right. when it comes to the investment company that we. Work together on property and commercial property is our thing. Yeah, um, because that's very much Dad's background. Um, So he's an incredibly entrepreneurial man. Oh, I love that great um, role model for you. Yeah, very. I'm very much like my dad. Yeah, and a very um, creative problem solver. So there have been many, many occasions through my entire career where I've rung Dad and not my boss (laughs) and gone, What do I do now? What do I do in this situation? So he has very much shaped me as a business person yeah. and a professional. Um my mum is and was and is a fashion designer. Mainly oh my goodness. Um, Right. mainly uh weddings. Yeah. Um, so she was but I free. love it that
0: you've gone into t-shirts then. Yes. She must love that too.
1: Yes, she does. She's, she has, um, <laughs> she has a couple of my t-shirts. I wouldn't say it was her style so no, much. No, that doesn't matter. But that's it's okay. It's good to always get industry. her eye. She's got a very, very good eye. So it's good to sort of just go, oh, do you think this works or not? Yeah. Um, but yeah, she is an amazing fashion designer. And, um, so she used to. She used to do a wedding um, where she'd design and make the entire thing by herself. Oh, probably, right. The dresses and the yeah, bridesmaids' dresses and, and the mother of the bride. Oh, and yeah. The okay. Flower, flower girls and the whole kit and caboodle. Um, probably about once every 18 months. Um, Because okay. they're, they're a six month project. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um,
0: but very haute couture sort of bespoke very, stuff that very, she was doing.
1: Yeah, very much so. So. Right. Um, but it also meant, you know. Um, I lived in handmade tracksuits for pretty much my entire childhood. (laughs) Which, which of course, for anyone else
0: of our, you know, you kind of go, that sounds really cool. But when you're the one who wants to wear brands and everybody else, it's so funny, isn't it? I just want a pair of jeans. You're not
1: wearing jeans. um, Yeah. uh, Okay. And then I've got an older sister. She's five years older than me um, and she's a theatre and film director and writer. So. We're all very creative in our family. Yeah, you are. Um, and I grew up with goats and cats and dogs, and we okay. had a paddock and spent most of my childhood outside making mud pies. Love that.
0: I do too. Yeah. I still remember eating a mud pie that had a worm in it that I. Um, oh, did you have the worm I, I, as well? No, Yeah, I, a I bit did. Of because, be, I, I remember we <laughs> were living in Cyprus. I was about five, and uh, somebody dared me and you can't dare me anything because I'll always do it. I don't, <laughs> oh, mean, I don't want anyone to listen to this and get a bad idea. But anyway, someone said, I bet you're not going to eat that mud cocoa yeah. that you've made because I saw a worm in it and I was like, watch me. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, so uh, so yeah. you grew up in that way. What What about school? Did you enjoy school?
1: Yeah, I went to the local primary school um, yeah. and then went off to a private Catholic girl's a Convent in the middle of the city for high school, and I was the only one from my primary school. in the middle school. of the city. Well, in the eastern suburbs, right? In, okay, in Melbourne, yeah. Um, like it was an hour's journey, and that was a really, um, that was a big shift because the local primary school, um, like Diamond Creek, is really and calm and
0: gentle and a little bit alternative. When you go to a uh, big,
1: no, not so school. much. No? It just it was a very broad demographic. Uh, uh, a very broad mix of people. So um even though like my childhood was quite comfortable, comfortable financially, like I wouldn't say we were definitely in the high realms of things, yeah. but um you know my parents worked really hard and we were want for nothing. But yeah. the my primary school gave me really good perspective on not everybody not is, everyone is like same. that. I love that. I um love that. And so when I went to a private Catholic girls' school where people were on a different level, yeah. I, I think that really grounded me actually and I'm really appreciative of my parents for having sent me to the local primary school. I quite enjoyed school. I was quite good at school. I was good at sport and art and I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoy learning.
0: And was there an expectation you'd go to year 12 or? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And that
1: you'd go to university. Yeah, yeah okay.
0: So like, you went to uni. What yeah. did you do?
1: So I desperately wanted to do um, a set and stage production course in Perth, in Whopper. Okay. So the Western Australian Performing Arts. That was my absolute, I really wanted to be a costume or or set designer for theatre. That was my
0: dream. My sister-in-law's a WAPA graduate.
1: Oh, is she? Yeah,
0: she's on the stage.
1: So, uh, but mum and dad did say to me, they're like, look, we will help you pay for university, but you're not going to Perth. Right. And I was like, went, okay, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> um, so, cause I think at the time my sister was living in London, she was doing the backpacker thing in London at the time. And, and mum like, was like empty nest, you yeah, know, like, right. no, not both my kids are not going. Oh, so, nice. um, so I went, I, I did go to Victorian college of the arts, which is, you know, it's still a really fantastic it place is. to go. And I got my degree in creative arts, um, specializing in photography and painting. So, um, wow.
0: see, I yeah. just learned a new thing about you all the time. All right. So do you, uh, so you did those three years, I'm guessing it was. Yeah. And what, what did you decide to do when
1: you came out of that? Well, while I was studying, so I moved out of home at 19. Yeah. So I was ready to move out of Diamond Creek. Like the one thing about <laughs> Diamond Creek, as much as I, as much as. Have was, a great
0: family life yeah. in the end. I was the same. You just want to get out and. It
1: was. Just, I was just always in a car. I well, got my. Right. I got my license on my eighteenth birthday. And
0: were you a bit? Um, I mean, I don't know whether the word is. Starstruck, but I think I was a bit starstruck by kids that had grown up in the city. And because I went to mm. RMIT and did media studies, yeah. they were all sort of twenty-one, and I was seventeen. Yeah. they were all living out of home, all in Fitzroy and Carlton, and they were so frigging cool. Yeah. that I thought oh, I just want to be like them. I don't want to yeah. live in Dandenong, which was my thing. Same yeah, thing yeah. Well, probably
1: when I reflect on it, there was an element of, of that. that as well. But I was just tired of yeah. of the.
0: Public commute. Transport all the time. And I just,
1: you know, if I wanted to go out to the pub and I had to stay at a friend's house, yeah. otherwise it was a $60 taxi trip home and there was all that sort of stuff. And okay,
0: so um, you moved out of home at 19, moved but out of what did home you do when you finished school?
1: And then, and I was working part time at Baker's Delight while I was studying. Okay. So um, when I finished my course, I was like, right, I want to go backpacking, I want to go away, but I needed to earn some money first. So I did a couple of things. The Baker's Delight that I was working at, um, I, uh, they hired me then as their manager. So I was managing a Baker's Delight in Bowen at the age of 19. Yeah. At the age of 19. That's right. And, um, so I did that through uni. Yeah. And, um, and then took that on full time once I'd finished did you love uni. It? Well, the one thing about that experience is the people who, so Baker's Delight being a franchise yeah. business, um, James and Simone, who were my bosses at the time, they owned three Baker's Delight. And James had actually been an apprentice for Roger and Lindsay Gillespie, who owned Baker's Delight in their first ever bakery.
0: Oh, oh, oh wow. So he was... So yeah. he had
1: been there since he was 16 or something. And, and, and the, he, watched the business grow. And yeah, and he then, um, he was the, at the time, was the youngest franchisee, Um, he owned Williamstown and Simone had Baldwin and they also had Port Melbourne. And, um, but they, I mean, for me, they felt a lot older, um, than me, but Simone was only like 28 and she was running her own bakery.
0: Amazing. And
1: the, um, I still quote them today on a lot of things that they taught me. They, the, the best thing about Baker's Delight is they run a whole lot of fantastic training for- for for staff to go through. And James and Simone knew I wasn't going to be there forever. They knew that I was wanting to go overseas. So they're like, we probably have a year to 18 months of you here. And they put me, they paid for all the courses for me to go and do. <coughs> oh. They really invested in me and And you repaid them by being really loyal and sticking with them, yeah, which is great. They taught me how to manage a business. That's they a, really, that's really, really did. Good. Like the practical side of things, how to manage staff, how to manage conflict. Um because you know the thing with a bakery is you've got people there from um you know it's only closed for about 3 hours yeah, because four you have people, in the morning yeah, too. Yeah, yeah yeah so um yeah so i really am very grateful to Simone and James i still still chat to them now and then and um and they were have just have they gone
0: on to buy heaps more they now yeah, have Yeah no, of they do of
1: them. um what do they do now i think Simone Simone developed a um a Uh, like a kid's educational toy um, that she now um, works on and James – I'm not 100% sure what James does now. But um, but they're not Baker's Delight anymore? I don't think so. No, no okay. I think they sort of went in and out for a while. All right. So you yeah. did your time
0: there and then where did you go overseas and how long did you go for?
1: Yeah, so. Um, and what did
0: you do over there?
1: Yeah, so after Baker's Delight, I also worked as a photographer for a while, I'm a wedding photographer. Is and, that sort of
0: on the side? To yeah, I yeah,
1: did a few exhibitions here and there. But I just, it was such hard work and it did. I, it cost me money. To work as a photographer, as opposed to earn any money. Yeah, it's
0: not a it's not an easy career to have. That's for sure. I went to uni with a whole lot of photographers and mm. have watched a lot of them fall by the wayside over yeah, the years.
1: It's and I, it
0: takes a spe- because the, to have. I mean, it's the same with really any creativity. I think. To be creative doesn't necessarily mean you're good at business, and and because no creative course, which I think is such an oversight, teaches business as part of it.
1: Absolutely. Yet all of
0: those people are going to have to know how to sell their stuff. Yeah. It's such it's such a it's a big gap yep. in the education <laughs> yes. of anyone in the arts or anything creative. But, I um,
1: absolutely a hundred percent. And photography
0: and graphic design end up people compete on price a lot mm. of time. Yeah. And so that becomes untenable
1: and you, you can't and keep you keep lowering
0: your price in yeah, order to Yeah, if you figure out your hourly
1: gig. rate, you're like, "Oh my god, I'm, I'm paying <laughs> myself less than <laughs> yeah, minimum wage." Exactly. Like, what is going and I'm not even paying my super yeah, and all and those stuff. Yeah, and it's all because I
0: love, you know, photography, yeah. but in the end, it, it, you, yeah. Anyway, yeah. okay. So, so that was
1: an interesting <coughs> experience to be sort of in the arts because I thought, "Well, I've this is what I've just studied. I want to go and do these things." And then it was like, oh, "This is really hard work." So by this point, I was very ready to get out of Melbourne anyway. Like I'd been in a long-term relationship. I'd just, you know, and it like,
0: ended I, by the sounds of it. So oh, it ended at the airport. Like oh, we right. said goodbye
1: at the airport as I w- had my backpack on and I was off and to see you the world. Went. So I'd plan my sister had gone and lived in London and done the London thing for about three or four years. Yeah. And she had just returned home as I was about to go. And I thought, you know, I don't want to go to London. Everyone goes to London. I wanna go somewhere different. And when I was 19, um, my dad and I had actually had organized a family reunion. So my background is Irish on my dad's side. And, um, and concert, uh, following that family reunion, we then went on a family trip to Ireland and then met more family in Ireland. And,
0: and boy, oh boy, do they love Aussies in Ireland as well. My yep. brother went over for, I mean, we're all Irish as well, born yep. and bred, but my brother went over at 18 and ended up working with you two and a whole lot of people in film oh, wow. and it was this because there were so many opportunities and he was called Skippy. They all called him Skippy and he stayed there like 10 years.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah well that can happen. Yeah easy <laughs> easy it's
0: such a great place. It's it, yeah, I mean I, I, I want to do it now. Yeah. I'm gonna go and do that with my gap year when my kids have finished school.
1: Yes yeah go back and live in Dublin. Oh uh, it's such an exciting city. So I fell in love with Ireland. I also fell in love with Scotland because we yeah. did both trips and so when I was planning on going overseas I wanted to travel first and um and then I wanted to go to Ireland and I'll never forget this really hilarious conversation I had with um Irish immigration because my dad has an Irish passport so I just assumed that you'd get one I would get one but dad got it after I was born which meant it didn't um, one generation too far so if he'd got it before I was born, it would be, I could get it.
0: So he wasn't born there.
1: No, he wasn't born there. Right. So it's my great grandparents. My
0: kids are lucky because I was born there. Oh, so I rang them. And when they Because they did, I remember yeah. the, I remember them announcing that grandparents isn't going to be a close enough relationship anymore. And I rang them to go, are my kids going to have a problem? And they said, where were you born? And I was at the Rotunda in Dublin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they said, yeah, husband. you're in. Yeah. <laughs> everyone. Everyone's everyone who lives in, in Dublin is born yeah. at the Rotunda. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so I had I remember having this very funny conversation with Bernadette from the Irish Embassy in Canberra because I was like, well, what do I apply for in terms of a work visa for Ireland? And and I'm like, don't I get, you know, ancestry, because you can get an ancestry um, visa for you, the UK or something. And I'm like, don't I get an ancestry visa for, for Ireland? She's like, no, you get a one-year working visa. And I was like, oh. And she's like, the only way, the only way you'll get to stay longer in Ireland is if you marry an Irishman. I'm like, well, yeah. you're giving me a year to figure that one out <laughs> then, aren't you? So... Um, yeah, so I, I put the backpack on. I traveled all through the States and Canada and Central America first, which was yeah. really defining for me. Yeah. Um and because I learned how to be independent and I learned to trust myself. Um got to Ireland um and needed to find a job, and I was living with the girl that I'd met in Central America. And walked into the Lush shop. I was familiar with Lush. I know from that. Australian. Was it the one on
0: Grafton, Grafton Street? Street? Yeah,
1: near Molly Malone. <laughs>
0: well, I remember that one. You could smell
1: it before you could see it. And um, asked for a job. And there was an Australian girl who was managing the shop <coughs> at the time. And she was like, yep. So I started on the shop floor in Lush um, in Dublin and started as the training manager. I was the training manager for three weeks and then became the store manager. Stop so So um, managed the Dublin store for a few years. And- oh,
0: like how many years? Uh, and is that where you met your husband? No. Well, I met I him met in, in Ireland, Ireland but yeah.
1: I was there for two and a half years. Um, and then I had resigned um, and I, I was being sponsored at that point. So I was being sponsored to stay in Ireland to work in Lush. And I decided to resign. I was ready to sort of move on. I was going to move to Scotland. Right. And, of course, um, the moment I, and of course, when you resign, when you're being sponsored, you have to leave the country. Yeah. Um. And of course, as soon as, as soon as I'd done that, I just met my husband. Right. So um, I was like, Oh, hi, nice so, to meet you. I'm leaving the country, by the way. So this can't get serious. Well, hang
0: on a minute, though. <laughs> I'm going to Scotland, which is like Melbourne to Sydney. Well, so he not... just
1: returned from living in Mexico, New Zealand, and Australia. So he just got oh, home. So God, he was like, Ah, oh, okay. So anyway. Yeah. You know, so these, what did you do?
0: So you moved to Scotland.
1: I moved to Scotland, um, and then he d- moved about a year later over to Scotland. So and you went
0: backwards and forwards in that year. Yeah. And yeah. then, um, and then what happened after? And what did you do in Scotland? Was that just kind of traveler's kind of job, or did you? No,
1: in Scotland we ended up staying in Scotland for about five years. Um, oh wow! Right. And I did where a few, Edinburgh? in Edinburgh, yeah. and we bought a <laughs> we bought our first home in in Edinburgh, and. I did a few different things in Edinburgh. Um, I temped for a while first. I really was ready to get out of shop floor. I didn't want yep. to be on the shop floor anymore. Um And I'd been managing a very Like Dublin was the um, Busiest The busiest store in the world For Lush at the time Oh wow So it was the biggest shop totally for Lush I believe it Because know. if
0: you do, if For anybody who's listening Dublin is The place where anyone From London Or England really Other than the There's this massive pe- Amount of people That come over from America yeah. And all around the world And it was Celtic Tiger eight, at the time. I think 80% of, of There was In the 80s anyway 80% of young people Left Yeah um, Ireland So there, there are people all over the world who have strong ties to come back and then on top of that you've got flights which are about a pound I think I I could fly London to Dublin for a pound and so people go over for weekends so it is just super busy it's like Amsterdam just heaving with people and it was Celtic Tiger
1: I mean we would have people come in with 500 euro notes buying soap and you know just going okay and because it hadn't Lush hadn't opened in the States just yet I'd actually trained the American team um, right. before they opened um because Ireland has so many American tu- tourists Americans would come in and just go oh my god and yeah, just this buy is amazing. Like, kilos and kilos of stuff so it was a really exciting time to be in Dublin and it was the thing of, with working with Lush when you're a store manager is you're given a lot of autonomy so you run the business like it's your business so I You know, at Christmas time, I'd have over forty five staff. You know, it was making a huge amount of money. You're 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 managing a P and L. You know, so they would have
0: absolutely loved you. So when you were in Scotland, you took that experience and did what?
1: Well, then I ended up doing a whole lot of temping work for a while. I then um, I worked in sales. Um, sales and marketing for the Scottish and Northern Ireland Plumbing Federation. Oh, sounds exciting! <laughs> no, it really wasn't. No, um, I, it doesn't. I was talk being about sarcastic. That <laughs>
0: Um, okay, and so what- but then I
1: went and studied. I went back. I went back and um, did an advanced diploma in business. I just really wanted to get the yeah, theory. Yeah, well done.
0: I wish I'd done. One. Um,
1: and then I got a job working for the List Magazine. So I was doing advertising sales for the List Magazine. The List Magazine's like Time Out. Yeah, and it does a lot around Edinburgh Festival. Um, it was a great place to work. I loved it. But then the GFC hit, and. Um, my now husband but he was working for a law firm and it was just like Edinburgh from a job perspective was just imploding because of the Royal Bank of Scotland is quite a big employer in Edinburgh and then all the feeder businesses it just was like oh my god. And the Royal Bank in Scotland went down. Yeah yeah like almost overnight it was pretty scary so we both just went do you know it's time to go it's time to move back to Australia so we got engaged Um, Fergal was happy to come to Australia. Yeah, well, he'd lived here before. And um, I hadn't put him off, obviously. (laughs) No, no. And and I was ready to come home. I'd been away for seven years at that point. Yeah, okay. And then came home, um, came home, came back to Australia. I was offered a job to join the Australian business for Lush here. Um, And the interesting thing about that was that Lush in Australia and New Zealand was really struggling at the time and they were desperate for people who'd worked in the worked in the business in other places to come and sort of re- reinvigorate. reinvigorate the brand. So, um so I joined the business as a um retail support manager to look after Australia and New Zealand, so I managed the shops. Yeah. And um
0: How many shops were there?
1: Uh at the time roughly. About 30? Oh, okay. Yeah, Australia and New Zealand together. That was a really That was a really interesting job. I mean, I was on a plane every five minutes, which I I found tricky, particularly just having come from overseas and got a poor, lonely Irish husband at home. But anyway, (laughs) bought him a cat. He was okay. Um, But yeah, I really, that job, because it was like, we had six months to turn the business around and if the business didn't turn around, they were going to shut it down. So there was a lot of pressure because it's also all the people who've got those jobs and what do we do and there was no money and so it was really really strategizing on on, okay well if we do this project this is the estimated rate of return on doing this project compared to this project we can only afford one which do we do and really being critical about um the decisions that we're making in the business because we we were just so tight on cash and we had to turn around things really quickly so the fun, the lovely thing was is the person who hired me in Dublin, she then joined the business um, about four <coughs> months into when I started and she joined the business as director. She'd been working for us the entire time. Yeah. In and Australia? In talking- Australia. Oh, wow. Yeah. And also one of our Christmas casuals who had worked on the Dublin shop floor came and joined the business as the marketing manager. I hadn't seen her since oh, she'd worked on the Irish that. shop floor. So there was a few of us from Dublin.
0: So how did that and, and I know that you ended up going to Japan so yep. because we've only got a little bit of time, which is going Sorry. to kill me <laughs> Sorry. because there's so much more I want to hear. But anyway, take me to... Uh, Japan. So, so whiz through, wh- how did you end up going to Japan? Was that part of working for Australia and mm. then they identified you? Or? Yeah, so
1: I've resigned from Lush three times. <laughs> um, and They don't want to see you go. So I've resigned again from Australia, New Zealand. I'd sort of, I really got a bit quite burnt out with the Australia, New Zealand job. And so... I resigned, Um, my husband and I went traveling again, we went back to Edinburgh, sold our apartment, all that sort of stuff. And then um I had, I'd gone along really, really well with one of the founders of Lush, Rowena Bird. She does all the makeup, she invents all the makeup for Lush and okay. we 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 were both pink-haired ladies and we had always been very um Are you good serious? friends. Pink haired ladies. Yes, yeah. Something I about that. <laughs> I Must, you know, attract um, <laughs> so to be with, friends with pink haired ladies. That's um right. not that my hair's pink at right at this present moment in time. But yeah, so Ro got in touch with me. I said, will you please come back? I need someone to come and help me with Japan. And and I...
0: Japan, just let everyone know, is how many stores?
1: Uh, it was about 480 stores. <laughs> I and, love you saying um, that because it was a go, bit of a jump. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, from 30, which is a lot. Yeah. Well, from one to 30 to 480. Yeah, and, man- and, and huge And did you have to live there? Did no, you move there? No, so. Because uh, that's a bit amazing, I would have thought.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I, what I did is I did three weeks on three weeks off. Okay. So I'd fly there for three weeks, come home for three three to five weeks. And then, (laughs) well, they did send him over at one point, which was nice. I did, I did do a a eight week stint there at one point. Um, But
0: other than that, it was, you you did it all from Australia. mm, I didn't realize that. So the
1: reason why I went and did the job is we'd done the team that had turned Australia and New Zealand around. We'd done such an amazing job with that that they wanted to implement the same systems and processes and, and initiatives that we'd done in Australia into Japan. Um, Japan had been the cash cow for Lush for a very, very long time, but so it'd been wildly successful, but then it just started to – die off yeah yeah big time so my main plateau role maybe
0: is probably a kinder way of putting it but anyway maybe get maybe more of a slighter uh, steeper uh, decline than plateau okay, okay. but
1: um so my main job was to go in and assess the senior team um hire whatever talent was needed in the senior team and then um train them and mentor them through a really massive change management project which was hard, but I loved it on a lot of levels. Well, you've, you
0: told me, I mean, just when we were in the car a couple of weeks ago, you were telling me that um, the managers in, in Japan, people tend to, it's longevity that gets you yeah. promoted and you had to turn around and go, actually, we're not <laughs> going to pay the ones who've been here the longest. We're going to pay the ones who are doing the best job yeah. of bringing in money and turning around their stores and there was an uproar. Didn't you yeah, say so there was a, like, well, oh, we don't understand this at all.
1: It was a very... It was a really massive cultural learning experience for me, obviously. I don't speak Japan- Japanese. I'm not Japanese. I'd never been to Japan before. Um, and so really understanding the intricacies of professional work life in Japan took a long time. I bet. Um, and so there's there's this whole thing about longevity and loyalty towards business. You know, usually when people start. It is changing now, but usually but when people, they people start their job, they stay in a company for their entire life. And if they're not you in say, the right role.
0: Can I just say that it's only a generation ago when everyone did that. I know, it's I know. The look, it's, the look on your face as you're saying that, and I'm going, I remember my mum going, can't you get a job at a bank where they'll give you a gold watch after up. you've been there for 50 years? And me going, <laughs> no, and no, that's never
1: So, yeah. Um, So understanding that, understanding it's a highly patriarchal um, society and rules are very – and it's very – say one thing in public, do another thing in private. Um, oh, okay. So you know, so there's, it's hard to penetrate what's going on. So when you you know, doing change management, you need to understand where the problems and are. And where the resistance
0: is coming from. Yeah,
1: and there was a lot of nepotism that was going on. There was quite a lot of bullying and just really trying to get to a heart of those things while trying to do it through a translator. And so. Gosh. Um, so how long did
0: you do that role for?
1: I did that for a few years. Oh, really? I did really? It for about two years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then,
0: I imagine massive learning curve but fabulous in terms of stretching your brain.
1: Absolutely. I really loved it. The senior team that we put together were great and I really felt every time I went, even though I was the only Westerner in the office of 80 people and I'd always come brightly dressed, pink hair, which was totally different. To what <laughs> They'd everyone. all be wearing you their know, navy just, suits yeah, and flesh-coloured little, stockings. <laughs> I was a little – or oh, their Uniqlo, you know, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, navy right. blue stripes and things. I was always a bit like the flash of colour and, and a hurricane that walked into the office every three weeks. Um, but I, I, I learned a lot as well. As much as I was trying to implement what we had done successfully in other places – I also, I mean, the quality of, of what the Japanese team would put together was so extreme. It was amazing. Wow. The way they executed things, they really, like, they like never Like merchandising,
0: did. they really do. Oh, but They're so Everything good at from, me.
1: you know, their PR to their, like, Everything was meticulously done. Yeah, as right. in I'm very big picture. I'm not detail. so it learnt me. It taught me to really wait until it is as good as it possibly can be before launching, before executing, In still launching, which, which
0: would be hard. Yeah. I imagine, but yeah. <laughs> probably a good lesson to learn. It was a very good. Lesson I wish to I'd learned learn that one. Okay, yeah. uh, so after that incredible experience. Mm-hmm. Why did you leave, and what did you do next? Is that bringing you to high tees?
1: Yeah, I think I think every time I've worked for Lush, um, I've ended up being quite burnt out. Um, because they
0: obviously recognise how great you are and uh, work you into the ground. Yeah, <laughs> there's
1: there's it's it's a very interesting company to work for, and you give a lot of yourself. Yes, because it's not just working for a business in terms of great, beautiful products. You also actively campaign you there's a lot of um passion in what you're doing and, yeah. and what you're supporting um you know i did some amazing campaigns in japan that were really controversial and i found you know that's where a lot of my campaigning and activism was grown and how oh, really and how i japan. could well, the- well well for all all my time in lush yeah. but yeah. it was it really i really got quite um uh passionate about it in Japan because I had to be a leader of example for them because they'd never done it before. They'd never actively campaigned in the way that we had in Australia. Like, you know, we had anti-coal campaigns in every shop in Australia, particularly Newcastle and stuff like that where – you know, um, and so here we are doing an anti, a uh, uh, no shark finning campaign in Japan, which, you know, we had the government on the phone yelling at us and how dare and you, you like, do this. this and is, how you, you gotta this yeah, is so. how you stand your ground. You've um, got to keep doing it. Come on. This is how you stand
0: your ground. We're not going to make change happen if we all back down.
1: Yeah. may You know, how we, amazing. we took off all the plastic on all the products within a week because wow. the team weren't wanting to do it. They're like, no, 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 no. So... Rowena, the founder, and I went flew over to Japan and went, right, it's coming off and it. you've got a week to yes. do it. Wow. And and all the shops were like, thank you. And, you know, so <coughs> it it showed me that when you just are quite decisive, very clear on your passions and your purpose, um, you can really make some great impact. Oh, so that's, that's a mm, fabulous insight for everybody mm, straight away. So so when it came to running my own businesses, I'd had a I'd had enough of making money for other people. And I wanted to. I wanted to see if I could do it by myself. Like I'd been running these businesses anyway.
0: And so, agents of innovation presumably is um, the consulting. Yeah. Um. So it's basically doing what you did for Lush, and taking it and applying it to any other Australian retail brands. If there's anyone listening,
1: yes. I would say
0: <laughs> Jess is the woman that you want on your team. Um absolutely mate! what an incredible career you're just such an amazing woman and it's all bubbling along under the surface that I didn't know at all <laughs> I thought it was this woman who was owning a t-shirt brand which I love and I loved all the stuff but my goodness um okay mm. I, I'm going to ask you a couple of quick fire questions because okay. we don't have too much time left are there any women that stand out and obviously Simone is one of them from Baker's yeah. Delight that have helped you in your career and the other one I would think is the is it's Rowena. Rowena, yeah. Um... um, but just give me a, I just feel like. She's the boss is about making women in business more visible. Let's do a couple of shout outs about amazing women if if yeah. you have if you know some that are uh, you, Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been surrounded by phenomenal women my entire career. Oh, you're really um, lucky. I asked that question mm, of
0: someone yesterday and they couldn't give me an answer. There was no one they
1: could think of. Oh, uh, I can I, I, we could I could we could do, yeah, do it all day. But there's a, there's really a couple of people that are very very influential and important in my life, not only career-wise but also in um, personally. Um, so Peter, who was the manager who hired me in Dublin the first time and then became the director of Lush, she's now the chief um, commercial officer at Coco Black. Wow. She is like we have had an a fantastic shared career on Uh, In during our times in lush, um, but also have a really strong personal connection, and she's very much someone who I would go to for any advice. And she is the most fantastic cheerleader, and I'd like to think that I cheerleader. Oh, she sounds amazing. Maybe you can give me an intro. I I will. She is might have to interview
0: her for she's the boss. Oh yeah, she's. I like women that are like you know really supporting other women.
1: Yeah, she's amazing. And then um, another friend of mine. She's actually my high school best friend. Um, we've known each other since we've been 12. Kate, she's the director of Arden Street Development for the Department of Transport now. Oh, wow. um, what an
0: interesting job.
1: Yeah, she's she's a, a town planner, but works for the Department of Transport. And she she and I, I love talking business and strategizing with yeah, people. Yes, same. And, and it's, very, it's very
0: hard to find the women that love doing that as well. Yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's stacks more women in my life that go. Do we have to talk about work? Oh. You know, this is private time, and I'm like, but my work is my life. It's my love. It's everything. I love talking about.
1: Uh, it's the same. So to
0: find women and my brain who is just going that, yeah, at a million miles an hour of like, you
1: do this, you do that, you do that. and <laughs> then another friend of mine is Kate. She works for um, Melbourne Water in in their business strategy, and she also is a fantastic champion and and um, and. Looks after me, you know, like we oh. we all we all support each other. We all do very different things, yeah. so it's really great to come together and help each other because, and give
0: that different perspective, that yeah. external perspective yeah. to everyone. That's amazing. Um, how are you when you are a mum? You've got two young kids. You've got one business. That um, is now in retail stores and e-commerce and in your garage and pick and pack all the things you weren't actually (laughs) looking for at the time. (laughs) And then on top of that, you have got um, the agents of innovation and various other bits and pieces. How do you stop yourself from getting burnt out? Now, you've obviously had that happen before to you. How do you try and juggle the work-life thing? What sort of hours are you working?
1: Um, That's probably a bit of a hard question to ask because I I feel like my work and rest time are slightly blurred. Yes. Um, But, look, my husband and I are a really fantastic team. Yeah. And we really share a lot of the – Domestic workload. Yeah, um, he's very, very supportive and very good like that. Like he does all our cooking and most of the cleaning oh, at the house. It sounds um, fabulous. So, but do you go
0: like weekends are for family and kids, or after uh, we're six, not that. or it's just whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was just whatever. I mean, we but have been. Rest, uh,
0: here's a question that I've asked a couple rest? of people. Re- no, here's a question <laughs> I've asked a couple of people, and I found it really telling. Um, so I'm going to ask you if you have your day blocked out, and somebody cancels a meeting. So you have two or three hours. What do you do with those two or three hours? Do you work or do you go, I'm lying on the sofa or taking a relaxing time out?
1: It might depend on the time of year. <laughs> but I, I'm not bad at I, I've learned to not be so hard on myself and give myself some yeah, time out. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, I if if I do ever have the house to myself, because my husband also works from home, it's very, very rare I'll have the house to myself. And if I do have the house to myself, I do. Damn tools, That's it. Yeah, yeah. I do go and watch like Keeping Up with the Kardashians or something because you know <laughs> I don't have that opportunity. Otherwise, I'll just watch some really tr- or some really yeah. trashy movie just to go right. Okay. Um. Yeah. No, I do like. I think we've got that a pretty you're kind good balance. To yourself, yeah. yeah, I think that's. I, I, my husband would describe me as a workaholic, and I am, and I'm aware of it. But I'm also having suffered clinical burnout in the past. I'm also very. Um aware and very conscious of it yourself. because I don't want to give that example to my kids either. Yeah. Like I think it's really great that my kids get to see my business and they're around it and they come with me sometimes when I deliver something to a stockist or yeah. I, you know, I'm at an expo, they pop in. and it's, I think that's really fantastic for my kids to see. They come into my office, they help me draw, we draw together, you know, there's all those sorts of things, but I also don't want to show them that if you run your own business or you're working or you're working, um, that it means that it has a really um, detrimental impact to your health. Yeah. So I'm. Um, I think having kids has made me be a lot more aware of that.
0: Yes, I think kids bring rather a lot of good things yes. into our lives. <laughs> I okay. Like to sleep more. We've but got yeah. one minute. Is there a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you'd be up for sharing?
1: Oh, my God. I
0: know. The hardest thing when you're a really open person is thinking, is there anything that I don't tell everyone? (laughs)
1: Um, But it can be anything. It doesn't have to be business. Well, I'm hyper-flexible and I can probably still do the splits. Oh, my God. There we go. How about that? Yeah, that's really good.
0: Whoa, I wasn't expecting that. I just love asking that question. Something I always get an answer out of complete left field. Listen, Jess, you are amazing. I just cannot wait to share this episode. Can you tell people, firstly, how can they buy high teas and how could they contact you if they wanted you to... I don't know, if
1: they help want some them in the management. Yes. Um, yeah, so high Teas, you can go to au.
0: And that's h-i-g-h t w
1: E-S. Yep. Yes. Um, and or you can find us on Instagram at high Teas Australia as well. And please pop in and say hello. Um, and for agents of innovation, if you want to have a chat about strategy and building your business, then um you can contact me at Jess at agentsofinnovation, all one word, au. Brilliant. What can I say? Yeah, thanks, You're Jules. Ace. Thank you. <laughs> Your bed is very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she's the boss.com.au.